0: Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin.
1: We shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon
2: us. They can tell us we're crazy, and we can say, well, you haven't seen anything yet.
0: Our society is complex, and we teach our students that they could just fix it. Go fix a military helicopter and see how far you get with that. (laughs) I do love Joey Diaz, though, in fairness. I love him to bits He's such a shy talk But I love him to bits Like myself But like that's that's why I look Because like he just Goes off on something And no matter what it is I'm just always hooked I'm like god Yeah no I fucking love it He's this he's this incredible charisma to him He's like yeah. oh, I'm telling you now Joe Rogan Just even the way he p- says People's second name It's like he's like I'm telling you now Joe Rogan You're like Oh my god I should listen to this Oh he's fear <laughs> Brian Redman it's it's, Anyway <laughs> I'll get into this man I'll give you a little intro You ready? Yeah Because I wrote one I said <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen and everyone and everything in between not to discriminate welcome once again to the kind of crazy podcast and i am very happy to be with you and to be joined by my good friend marcus dupuy he is currently finishing up his degree in politics in ucd and more interestingly is pursuing his passion of horology and everything watchmaking and mending and that's as far as i got with you marcus so uh, (laughs) uh, i know you're a phenomenal human being and i'm delighted that we ought to sit down because you're the first person that's actually like in my outer circle that i haven't had on obviously i had gary and Maeve, but like you're someone who i don't see on the regular
1: yeah
2: which is which is uh an absolute shame because there'd be times for for those of you who who know ryan and um, he's a very inspirational person
0: don't blow smoke up my ass oh why not i don't know i was also told that i'm too like self-deprecating
2: <laughs> oh um I, I really don't think so that's fair um i think i think you a lot of confidence. Like it was always, we'd always go for coffee. Yeah, um, it would only be meant for for half an hour. Yeah, and then I'd walk away three hours later with this completely radical new outlook on life. And Ryan just been like, "Hey, it's my What's job. Up?
0: What's up, brother? Here I am." <laughs> but um, yeah, I suppose f- before we got into this, we were talking a lot of just waffle about everything, which I've, I I do love. But I suppose one of the things we should probably start off with just give some perspective is how we met. Oh. Do I was actually, this?
2: yeah. I was, I was on. It was political behavior, was it? It was actually, yeah, yeah. You're right. And I actually, I remember. I'm not gonna lie, I remember when I I saw you walk into the room. I was like, this this man looks like an absolute breather, an absolute <laughs> chieftain. And then we get put in in a a group together for a group mm-hmm. project. Yeah. And ten seconds of conversation with Ryan, and that that kind of 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 judgment that i'd made was completely shattered <laughs> and i was we we sat for like what 10 15 minutes yeah. talking about what we were doing for the project yeah. and by the end of it we had we we're like okay so yeah so we're just going to overthrow the status quo Um, we're yeah. just going to end up destroying the entire political system
0: <laughs> yeah um i can't remember what the project was on oh, i was oh was it? It was it about like voter choice and how people vote or whatever the case was? It was. I was actually reading it last night. Oh really? I was actually so tempted to just like print it off and have a look at it and just be like, oh, that's that's exactly how articulate <laughs> I was back in second year in college.
2: That should be your next episode is just sitting down and reading it all back off.
0: Like just reading all of my assignments I did in college. Yeah. <laughs> people would buy that, I reckon. And no. then
2: you have a competition to guess the grade, whoever guesses the grade <laughs> gets to uh, get gets a prize.
0: Yeah, I mean uh if it's any help I'd graduate with a, a two one. Do you know what that is? That's 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 high marks in my clan degree. But, uh. <laughs> Ryan. But Collins, the,
2: pra- the pragmatist. The practical. Oh, what? What do you want to I don't know. You know me, Ryan. That's fair enough. I just talked. Verbal diarrhea. I'll say less. <laughs>
0: um. What was I going to say? Do you remember who we were partnered with? It was like three of us in a group. It was you, me, and then this other, uh, non-entity. Uh,
2: yeah. She, she was a they, bit of a mystery.
0: If they, she, he. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I just remember
2: she was really helpful. I think, yeah. She was really helpful. Um quite a poor grasp on english but again not to not to call her out for that she was so helpful my god yeah she
0: wanted to like help so much and then when it came to like trying to write stuff down it was like ah google translate has done some magic for you
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's i don't know what language you've google translated this into but we appreciate the effort i saw
0: her notebook now to be fair her stationary game was so on point because she had this like yellow looking bullet point notebook you know those things where it just yeah. instead of lines yeah and like the, it's like when you're looking up inspiration for notes to take and you see all these people who do it who do medicine and whatever is, <laughs> the and their notes are just so perfectly headlined it was all that but in chinese so oh, I yeah have no
2: idea and I, I was looking at that going i'm either really hungover or <laughs> this this is a, uh, a student just taking this for a semester from what's it because we had a partnership with like beijing university or something
0: oh that kind of ends at the start yeah we had yeah. like a number of different people who would come in and we do like student swaps yeah 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 because i remember hearing like a few people in tutorials who were like you know they did a student swap swap from like america or canada or like japan whatever the case is hmm. but yeah that was interesting because um i remember we stayed up for so long and we were like a b the best we got was <laughs> oh, yeah. a b yeah.
2: no I, I remember reading the feedback for that and she turned around and said um, it was very confusing and there was no real uh, kind of former reason to what you were doing i remember reading what you wrote for kind of the 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 project yeah i'm being because i think you did the main body of the, the yeah
0: i got everyone's points and just kind of like mashed them together made them kind of legible i guess
2: i looked at the the how you kind of changed my the, the little paragraph that i did and it was completely different and I was so happy that it was (laughs) because reading yours and then reading mine, I was going, Jesus
0: Christ. No, no, no. But yeah, no, that was a good time. And then like, as you said, from ever since then, we just kind of like met up for coffees and stuff, whatever the case is, and just had a nice time, you know, we had good chats. Just vibing. Yeah. I mean like, to be fair, I don't see you that regularly, but when we do get together, it's like, we'll stay for like three hours and then just talk absolute nonsense and then leave feeling refreshed. It's, it's honestly
2: one of the, the, the few times where like don't get me wrong i think everyone experiences a little bit of um kind of social drainage their social battery kind of kind of drains down but i think you're the only person where mine actually fills up and i'm like i want to go talk to people now Ah, i'm like like guess what i just listened to i listened to the most amazing worldview and i'm now a completely different person i'm moving to thailand and pursuing my my dream of something yes (laughs) yeah
0: that is exactly what happened i moved to thailand for a month and pursued my dream of something not to be fair it was a nice reset because like you get it you work in retail in Clarks. oh god yeah which i'm sure is completely different now but back when back when we could you know still shake hands and whatever the case is (laughs) um i was just i had i had enough you know what i mean i'd left college and i felt like i'd been so in an institution for so long do you know what i mean and then my my friends danny and dylan were like we're going to move to Thailand because they, they run or they ran at the time Top Gym Tips and that whole like online business thing. So when they were like, we're going to move away, I had to hop on board. I I just had to I had to go and get away. And that would be my release from finishing college and having all of the stress just to unwind.
2: That must have been an absolutely just especially such a, a radical change from the setting that you were in, because it. I I remember when you when you told me about it. Mm. I, I just kept thinking of the, was it I think it was the Steve Harvey quote where, where he said, it doesn't matter what the opportunity is. If you want it, go for it. doesn't matter how you're going to finance it, how you're going to look after mm. it, just do it. It'll work itself out. I,
0: I, to be fair, I, I put most of my savings on it because obviously I'm working like a part-time job to get me through college. It's not like I have a wealth of, you know, cryptocurrency or whatever <laughs> saved up. It's like I have my couple of grand in the bank account <laughs> that I'm going to blow on this trip um, or like, you know, use conservatively. And to be fair, the most expensive part was getting over there because once you get over there, all of your food is so cheap. And we, ha- we absolutely abused this service called Food Panda, which is like the Uber Eats, but like so, so much more. I, every morning I kind of woke up and I'd order an iced coffee because it would take two minutes to get like from the thing. But like it was an iced coffee. It wasn't from Starbucks or anything. It was just from like a local place. But it was just like, oh, that's, I'll, I'll just order that for myself. Living the absolute lapse of luxury for like two quid whatever the case was it was so so nice but in terms of the environment yeah it was really different even because i remember we were going to go out to see endgame Mm. avengers endgame and i was like oh i wonder if they have any like culture like you know dictums that we're supposed to follow and so I, i went on google and looked up all these different culture things and it was like oh it's um everyone's polite on the outside you know what i mean it's kind of like we're resp- always
2: they hate you on the inside
0: if they do they won't show it and everyone <laughs> bows and everyone says like thank you and whatever the case is but when we got to the cinema we all just kind of sat down and you know hadn't we booked our tickets online so we had to avoid the kind of language barrier because to be fair they can get through like a solid sentence of english but like chine that's it mm. <laughs> and when we when we went in to sit down i had read that it was custom to stand for the king's anthem right oh. so we go in and we're just kind of like you know waiting for the movie to start really excited love the avengers um love you 3000 and all you see is like every like there's only and again this movie had been out a few months so there's only like i got to say nine people in the cinema including us the three of us and all that comes on the screen is this picture of the king and this whole montage of him with like a fat Rolex on standing over some poor children. Like it's the most communist thing you'll see in your whole life. And I'm just like, good Christ, people stand for this man. And he's just there with his fat watch and his plane flying away. And like obviously he did some time in the army. He must have, otherwise it's just propaganda. Absolutely like, breather. Made it 100%. Like you have no idea. Absolute horseplay going on in Thailand. There it is. Because he, I think his wife is like an air hostess. Because he, he dumped his ex-wife to marry this air hostess oh, yeah. who's now like leader of like a division in the army or something. Oh, that, that actually
2: reminds me I kind of a, you know us with our tangents Go just on. flying off. I think it was the, was it was the Indonesian president during the Cold War and the KGB tried to blackmail him with sex tapes of him on, on a plane on the way to Moscow because they packed this airplane full of these gorgeous air hostesses and they sent him this video um, with, the context yeah. of we're gonna blackmail you, you're gonna do what you want. But he thought it was a compliment, <laughs> so he made he thanked them and asked them for an extra copy. And for like two three years, that was played in every cinema before the start of a movie. Oh my god! Just because he wanted to to, to show the people, you know, look what I managed I'm to do. I'm a stallion.
1: Lunder <laughs> Biden got nothing on me. <laughs> oh, Hunter! Oh
0: my god, God! <laughs> yeah, but. What was I was gonna say? Yeah, and everyone stood. We kind of looked around because it was one of those like compliance things where we're like, should we, should we stand? It's like, D- do we, do we, do we abide by this? And even the Thai people who are in the cinema with us, we were just kind of like making eye contact with them, going, "Is this? Are we supposed to? Should we? Should we get up?" And like, we kind of looked around, and we knew there was security cameras in the cinema, so we're like, you know, if they come in and charge full force because we didn't stand, and Thailand has a pretty corrupt prison system anyway, so we should probably just like you know abide, just stand up, just give them man his. No, respect. Ryan,
2: that is. That is the golden prison system that we have to emulate over here. Yeah, one hundred percent. Stop Add. your capitalist diatribe. Oh my god, <laughs> become an imperialist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smelling a lot of bourgeois here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the birds work for the bourgeoisie. <laughs> don't oh forget god. it. But um, yeah, it was it was a different. It was a culture shock completely. But everyone was so polite, mm. and everyone bowed to you. I think it was because we were white. I don't know, but everyone just kind of like you know bend the head and like. Oh, thank I
2: you. read that um, in a, in a lot of uh, countries in in that region. Mm. Um, for some reason they 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 treat kind of caucasian people with this almost in some places like reverence yeah and um, there's a lot of i i remember um i did a back in first year i signed up to to help a phd student hmm. um with her with her thesis cuz you know the expert that i am i understand. No she was she was just getting like our opinion on 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 masculinity and and body types and she said to us that um it was fascinating that in, in our kind of culture, it's it's seen as normal to, it's seen as beautiful to get more tanned mm. um, and to kind of, in, in some places, to kind of be to be quite small and petite. Mm. But from where she was from, which I think was either Thailand or, or Sri Lanka, um, a lot of women elect to get surgeries to seem whiter, like skin bleaching. Yeah. They have, um they, they get surgeries to make their eyes wider, um. And they take a lot of those kind of uh, shortening um, procedures, so the the binding of the feet because they want to emulate kind of that western standard of beauty as, as close as possible. I always thought it was just it was it's fascinating to see the the, the complete just on one side, there's this completely opposite standard of yeah. beauty. We're trying to get towards something else, yeah. but on the other side, they're trying to get to us. Mm.
0: I just, I never understood that. I don't know. I feel like we always want what we can't have. So it could be like a bit of that as well. Mm. But even to your point where they bleach their skin, I was only talking about this the other day with Maeve. And I was saying how when we were over in Thailand and we were in the shopping center, every like second pharmacy had this like snail trail cream. I don't know what it is, but you see it on Wish all the time, right? Yeah. Where you put it on your skin, and it's supposed to make you whiter. Yeah. I don't get that at all. They'd like want to be more white. As
2: as for 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 those people who haven't seen me in person, um, I am about as white as the winter snow. Um, I if I actually stand up against just a wall of snow, I will blend in. It is not something you should aspire to be. <laughs>
0: uh, I, to be fair, I'm I'm quite fortunate that I got my my dad's sallow skin. I don't know where he gets it from. There's probably some Italian in there somewhere hey hey i'm walking here i'm walking (laughs) solo christ but yeah i mean i don't know i don't know what the whole aspiration is i don't know if it's just like i feel like they look at the west as being like a superpower which i suppose like you have the u.s which is but there has to be a line that you cross where it's like you know i'm just happy happy being my my thai or asian or wherever self you know i don't i don't get the whole wanting to be now again i'm not like overly pressured into wanting to be someone else so i don't know Maybe you have to buy into it to a certain extent. I'm sure there's Thai people who are perfectly happy being Thai people. Because
2: I, I I know there's places in in Korea where it's seen as. Because I, I think in, in in kind of Thailand and and those places it, it might be, kind of underhanded in how it's done. Yeah. In the sense that it's 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 just seen as something as, that you do. It's it's as natural as getting up and and getting a coffee. Mm. But then you've places like Korea where, um, I remember watching this incredible documentary on their version of the leaving certificate. And it's basically from the age of 10, they are, are forced to study till 11, 12 at night mm. and then wake up at six and do it all over again. Christ. And it's gotten to a stage where the students are performing so well that in order to get jobs in college places, the parents as, as like graduation presents are buying their kids cosmetic surgery. And it's such a massive industry over there. What? So you, I, I, remember this this one girl. She she said, "Oh yeah, for I got into this um, fantastic university for uh, hospitality, mm. and I'm going to have a procedure to have my nose and my eyes widened because I want to look more beautiful, so I'm more likely to get a job."
0: I was gonna say, is that because they're playing on like the lowest common denominator? Now, if the playing field is equal and they're all extremely smart, is the next thing to do just to like, you know, alter yourself so you become like you're playing on every heuristic you can to try and get hired? Yeah, it's it's the same in, in um.
2: i I think it was you who actually told me about Mm. china where they because they had kind of the system as well of you do loads of academics to Mm -hmm. get into a college but the chinese government kind of help with mental health um decided to kind of mandate that certain amounts of of credits go towards fitness and and outdoor activities and say like drama Mm. but parents and children didn't see this as a as like an outlet yeah they saw it as an opportunity to get ahead of the competition yeah so rather than these activities being seen as as you know tertiary as yeah. as, as aside from their academics these kids would have to come home you know study for hours, learn an instrument and then go outside and you know sprint and savages <laughs> kings i wish i did that when i was 12 <laughs> or you know i think they should they should honestly take up gaa you know over there
0: can you imagine a child uh, no, uh, can you imagine just bringing GA over to China? That would be interesting. I think you mean enlighten. Oh, sorry, the people enlighten of- the people of China with our native sport of GA uh, in all its forms. It's actually pronounced uh, for those of you who don't know.
2: Um, it's pronounced J. So there is no distinguishing the two ways; just J. I do the Gaelic so I do.
0: To be fair, my neighbour is uh, very, like, I think he's an Irish teacher. He must be. Because he talks to his kid in Irish. They can hear it through the walls sometimes. Oh, no, and he'd be shouting at his kid in Irish. No, don't get me wrong. Oh, my yeah. good That phrase saved That got me, that got me through so much. <laughs> but everything happened in my Irish oral suddenly. But... Um, I, I wish, I was saying it to Maeve as well yesterday, that I wish we spoke Irish as as well as the Welsh speak Welsh. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And not to be saying like so nationalist about it, but I think it's a, it's it's sad that we've lost the Irish language. Do you
2: know what I mean? Absolutely. Because um, I always, you know, um, Nigel owns the uh, the rugby referee. Mm. Um, not personally. Oh, that's a shame. Well, yeah, sorry, man. Oh, sorry, Introduce sorry, me. <laughs> sorry, Nigel, if you're listening to this. I hope Ryan didn't offend you. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> kiss, kiss. Um, you know, he he is really active in the community to get kind of the Welsh language out there. Oh, really? Um, he's fluent. Mm. And all of his Instagram posts are first and foremost in Welsh and then in English. He goes on kids' TV shows, speaks uh-huh. exclusively in Welsh. And I think kind of in this country, what we've done is not only push it out of the education system, mm. but make it so taboo that when you ask the majority of people... Oh what did you think of learning in Irish? I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. You wouldn't have that uh, most people wouldn't have that opinion of say French or Spanish. Yeah. It's we've we've made learning our own language so absolutely painful. Yeah. So gut-wrenchingly
0: boring. Yeah. No, cuz I remember when I was in school, I loved my Irish teacher. I loved it cuz like we had such a good relationship. He'd always look out for me. Mm. Cuz when I was playing rugby, God knows I shouldn't have been. <laughs> but when I was playing rugby, he'd always like encourage me and push me and we got on really really well. But I was God awful at Irish. And I don't know if that was me being a bad student or his his being a bad teacher because when it came to German, like I got I got an A in the leaving in certain German. Fantastic. But when Mine it came gosh. to Irish, I was in like pass and got like a C. Like, it just they didn't compute, you know what I mean? Mm. I don't know if that was me and my work ethic at the time, which wasn't up to scratch or wasn't anything like it is now. But I just I just it didn't compute, you know what I mean? I couldn't learn it the same way I learned German. And I think that could have been the way it was taught, the way it was mandated to be taught. Whatever the case was. I just wasn't good at it. But I wish I was.
2: Yeah. No, abs- absolutely. Like, um, I have a few friends who, they went to Gaelic schools, the primary and secondary school. And they will have conversations just completely in Irish. And I know they're bullying me because I see the looks they give me. Um, or that just could be, you know, social anxiety. Because everyone hates me. Oh, no. All the time. Oh no. oh, no. Oh, my God. Ryan, don't hate me. Uh-uh. <laughs> but they they would just, they'd sit and, and speak. And it's such a beautiful language. Mm. Um. I remember talking to uh, my girlfriend about this, about, you know, like, the direct translations of of Irish names for animals into English. So you have Ladybug. Now, I don't know the Irish pronunciation, but it translates as God's little cow. <laughs> or then you have Eagle, which translates as winged sky prick.
1: <laughs> no!
2: Yeah. Um, you have a spider, which is something... Oh, I remember apologies if i get these wrong now it's just from from memory from something i read like five years ago but it's something like um uh the devil's knives is a spider and it's such it's such a poetic language and yet most people in this country
0: hate it and yet whiskey is the water of life of (laughs) course it is yeah i mean you know both both in irish and in general of course prove me wrong yeah it's you see, the Irish's solution
2: to every problem is alcohol. It's the, the cause of and solution to every single problem we have
0: in this country. Yeah. Um I, I can I cannot correct you on that one. Uh, as an advocate of uh, the odd drink myself <laughs> Not too far, I wouldn't be too frequent, but the advocate of uh, fine whiskey, I will uh wow. take me wrong, I will I will atone to that testament of it being the water of life. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm sorry, but there was nothing more relaxing
2: than going into college at half ten in the morning working hard through lectures and going, ah, oh, let's go for a cheeky pint. And then you look at the time and it's only a quarter to 11 and you're already five <laughs> pints in and you stumble out into your next lecture. <laughs> uh,
0: that's a common theme amongst, uh, I'm sure, college students everywhere. But um, how, I, know, I know we talked about this a bit before we came came on air, but um, how you find college at the minute? It's a big change um, from what I was used to. I suppose it's a lot less work now. Yeah. But... I don't think I like that. Um, Actually, tell, tell, tell me uh, again, just when they divided it up in terms of the work you have to do.
2: Yeah, I know in, in my course in particular, so I deferred a year um, last year. So I did a few weeks of each semester and then just kind of packed it in and said, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready for my final yeah. year. And usually what would, would happen is you do six modules each semester, but now I'm only doing three each semester. And for a lot of them, they're a lot less, you know, intensive in the workload. Mm. I suppose it's because it's it's probably all online and the colleges are doing their best to to accommodate people. But I was kind of looking forward to going back um, and just kind of submersing myself in, in you know.
0: the go- college culture. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Now, don't get me wrong. It's not UCD's fault. <laughs> it's not the college's fault mm. at all for the situation that we're currently in. But... A lot of people would be going, "Oh yeah, you looked out because
0: you deferred, yeah, you looked out i I don't know if i if I prefer it this way, really, you yeah. prefer to be in in college in lectures like arson chair at, yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree with that to be fair, because I remember one of the things they stressed if you went into some lectures, they kind of almost prefer you to take notes on pen and paper, which i one hundred percent believe in, but they'd discourage you from using a laptop and the way they say it is doing something online catching up on lectures it's not the same as being in the lecture hall and you're like you know what that makes sense and then you get to now and one of the things that i don't think is that fair is that the fees are still the same for people who are oh my God, still doing it online and it's-, even, it's something that they they literally shouted about when we were in college saying that it's not the same to look at things online and do your work at home you have to come in and it's like why are you charging us the same if you literally say that the quality of our education is diminishing based on your own standards exactly um and
2: for those of you who don't know which i i've said that phrase because for some reason i seem to think everyone is stupid Mm. um except me because i'm a genius um it's our fees go towards it's not just the course it's the upkeep of the college and as well i think it's almost pay for the privilege of being able to to not only talk to other people Mm. of a similar mindset but You're also given lecturers to talk to. You're given TAs. You're given tutors. And it really helps because there's been so many times, I'm sure, you've experienced it yourself, where you're just completely lost on a topic. Yeah. And you might wander past. You wander up to... Whole degree. (laughs) Just, you winged it. And that's what we love.
0: Winging it in UCD. Name of the manual, for a reason. (laughs) That's,
2: honestly, that's me at at the (laughs) minute. But yeah, you'd, you'd wander into an office hours and you'd sit down and the professor would just in half an hour bring you up to speed on seven weeks worth of lectures mm. and that's nice because it's i i know people are saying like oh you can just do it on a zoom call it's not the same yeah and um, i really miss kind of that interaction and you know i i know we we talked a lot before of of you know our own experiences in college and i'd mentioned before i i never really settled into college properly mm. but it's only now that i that it's that experience has been kind of taken away from me i really miss it and i really i kind of think I, I didn't value it enough when i had it
0: yeah no i'd be the exact same even now that i'm graduated and like working i look back in it as a time where i feel like i didn't take advantage of enough things like i didn't to be fair i went around on what are they freshers week and joined all the societies but i never went to them and i feel like i could have i could have benefited so much if i had gone to like an LH or you know any kind of society that would have, would have had me um I feel like I missed out on that kind of a bit. I don't think I'm, wrong, like I'm, I'm grateful now that I can look back and say, ah, I know for future that if there's something comes up that I'm interested in, I should definitely jump on it. But like you, I miss like that college culture. I miss walking to lectures and grabbing a coffee here and there between lectures or whatever the case is. And I miss working as well. I miss learning. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I, I, I yeah, I completely agree. Just c- the, not even, you know, like even if you couldn't give a crap about what you're learning. I really miss just, you know, sitting there and going, wow, I didn't know this existed. yeah I don't care that it does. But that's <laughs> kind of interesting yeah. that it it's does. like Here yeah. I am
0: learning this thing that is a thing that people know a lot about and I'm privy to this kind of little snippet of information where people spend years of their life dedicating to. And here I am just kind of like, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. yeah
2: And it's, it's nice to, to even... See, I suppose that was actually the benefit of, of the degrees that we did is the fact that... I think with a lot of degrees, they just teach you about something. Mm. We had the privilege of, of doing a degree where it teaches you how to think, where they not so much just pile information on mm. top of you, because, well, they do that um, <laughs> yeah. with their 20 pages of reading per night, per module. Which you
0: can actually get by without doing any of.
2: Oh, yeah. Just if for any prospective college students out there, don't do any of the readings. I've done two, and
0: I'm I've never looked back. Yeah. There will be something that interests you quite a bit and by all means follow those, but like you can pretty much get by unless you have to do a discussion on just kind of glancing over the day or the morning of before the lecture starts.
2: I once saw a guy do a one thousand word assignment in forty five minutes that was due in an hour and it was about a reading that he didn't do and get a B on it. And he didn't touch that book once. So yeah, just you
0: don't need so to. So what do you're saying readings. is we can cure cancer? Uh, <laughs> Essentially, yeah.
2: So just just get all these these people who claim they know so much about medicine and go, oh yeah, I'm giving you 10 minutes to come up with a cure for cancer.
0: That's it. Just, they'll do it. And they'll do it. But I do agree uh, to the main point that like we, we were taught how to think to a greater extent than probably any other course. Hmm. <laughs> That's a bit like, um, what's the word looking for? That's a bit kind of pompous to say. But I mean, like when it comes to politics, most of it is opinion. And we're introduced to all these different legal systems and political systems and voting methods because t- i was trying to explain to me this morning because obviously you know november 3rd is today today's election day get oh, out are you and mansplaining and again get out and v- sorry my legs just have to be a bit wider and uh, <laughs> you don't understand so the way it works is uh, <laughs> i was explaining the electoral college as a way of like you know um uh, as a voting system because i know we use uh, proportional representation where we have like the one two three four uh, i think in england they still use first past the post and then with America for their presidential election, they use the Electoral College, which is basically where every state, based on the size of the population, is given a number of Electoral College votes. I think it's 503,
2: maybe? Yeah. Something um, like that? Fo- yeah, and they need to get over a certain majority in yeah. order for it to, to pass. Yeah. So
0: the Electoral College, the votes that's given to each state is based on the size of the state, so it's an accurate... Well, so the logic behind it is that it's an accurate representation of the choice of the people representing the majority because you know the bigger states get the more votes so when they say like the swing states what they mean is the big states that have more electoral college votes mm. so like texas and california and all those places are like you know swing states because they have more of a more of a thing and as well uh, it's,
2: it's just really important to to note as well that the electoral college was developed to kind of combat the idea of the tyranny of the majority because the founding fathers just like um, aristotle believed that when the majority have a vote the majority aren't you know representing everyone yeah so you still need to kind of counteract mob rule
0: yeah everyone who hates the one percent should be in favor of the electoral college pretty much
2: yeah and also the one percent should be in favor (laughs) of the the electoral Electoral college College. yeah that's fair
0: but it like it may not make sense to us when we look at it being like why why can't it just be the many people that vote and then like because hillary Clinton back in 2016 won the popular vote which means that she had more votes more people voted for her but trump won on the electoral college votes because he had you know, the majority in those swing states. And it'd be interesting to see how that comes out this year. But in terms of what we're saying about how we're trained to think, it's like we're exposed to these different ideas and these different practices. And it's nice to be able to have a point, develop an opinion and then when given the opportunity, defend it, because you know about it and you've learned about it, as opposed to understanding the different titles of a business or the different kind of ways the business works and the chains of distribution, whatever the case is. It's not just information, it's It's like it's how to use that information. Yeah, because
2: there's I think there was one or two exams that I've that I've done over my many, many years attempting my degree (laughs) that I just had to learn stuff off and vomit it back out onto a page because what they do is they teach you about a topic and then on the exam paper go, Okay, so here's a situation. How would this apply this thinking to this? Mm. And if you don't understand it and you don't adapt a way of thinking, Mm. It's unlike a business exam where it's what happens if I do this, yeah, or you know, a, like a,
0: economics is very much input out, quite literally input output. What's what's the case? Yeah,
2: exactly. And I I think I think for for some people that kind of modality doesn't really suit them hmm. because you know at the, at the end of the day, I'm sure you remember in tutorials a lot of the times it would devolve into 15 people in a room with an opinion, yeah, and whoever shouted the loudest was <clears> the <throat> more right, hmm. but. At its core, I think the most valuable thing I learned from my degree was 99% of what I believe about politics is probably wrong, Yeah, but it's the importance of finding, the importance of debating it and debating what you think and talking to other Mm. people is still really important because at the end of the day, if you're wrong, if 99% of what you believe is wrong... 99% 99% of what everyone else believes is wrong. Yeah. It's and just whoever can make the best
0: argument. I feel like that's the case when it comes to politics. I mean, like, we don't know it all. And I feel like now there's such an aversion to debate, if that makes sense. I mean, when it comes to certain things, it's like you can't mention the word Trump or conservative or anything that comes, like, you know, even from my own bias, like if someone was to mention communism to me, I'd be like, haha, no. <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? It's like you incorrect can't. Incorrect opinions. Yes you can't have these buzzwords. Uh, and then like as soon as someone hears it they're like just immediately shut off like they judge they see you as the idea as opposed to someone who's willing to discuss the idea yeah because i i remember we had this this or something like this conversation
2: a little while back Mm. and it was i I came to discover that um i remember I i was telling you in one of the classes that this um this person presented herself as as very left leaning, quite libertarian in in her social values. So it was very much, you know, screw the government, but um free healthcare and abortions (laughs) for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And you know, as soon as she found out that I'd be I'd be quite and now I'm going to say something incredibly controversial. I'd be quite far right.
0: (gasps) interesting. Oh my God.
2: Um but when we sat down and actually talked about it, we were like, okay, we agree on 80% of things yeah. on the end goal, just not how to get there. yeah. And I think people have, don't realize this, that nine times out of 10, the person who they're screaming at wants the same thing they want. Yeah. And I find it fascinating to talk to people and go, well, why do you think
0: this way? Yeah. I mean, in, into what you're saying about you being far right, I mean, like you're probably far right in terms of the Irish political spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't like just to define like the US. Oh yeah. Like you're not like Proud Boys... Oh God! Like, no. like do you know what I mean? Like there, and the fact that you have to make that kind of distinction just yeah. so people know where you're at, because as soon as you say to to most people, oh yeah, no, I'd, I'd be pretty far
2: right. It's oh, yeah, it's oh like my God, how dare you? So are you are you X? And they just immediately yeah. use these buzzwords, buzzwords, and I can confirm without a shadow of a doubt, I hate those people. Not yeah. not sorry, not the the people who who immediately jump to conclusions. I hate kind of the the proud boys, yeah. the, the boogaloo's, and and whatnot. Um, it's more so I'd be right-wing in respect to Irish politics. So I'd be very much so I really don't like government. I think it's mm. necessary. But if government can't, you know, can't be entrusted to do things right, like look at all these corruption scandals and, yeah. and look at all the scandals that happen with the cervical check. My opinion is why, if you can't trust these people, why would you give them more power? Yeah. So my view is just kind of
0: tone it down a little yeah, bit. yeah i think th- i th- I can't remember who said it but it was like the idea of it could have been um bacon that said this but it's like the invisible hand of government so it's like you're not supposed to know it's there but it's supposed to do its job yeah yeah it, it shouldn't over infringe on what you do with your freedoms but it's supposed to you know keep the country running keep the markets going and keep everyone in check to to the degree that it does exactly and yeah.
2: I, I just think to to a certain extent especially in our country and in most developed western uh democracies that the government through either necessity or by choice has overextended itself. Yeah. Is well sorry, it is it, it has overextended itself. And I think a great example is is the US. So everyone lauds the US as this beacon of why capitalism mm. and being right wing doesn't work. Mm. But what a lot of people don't realize is the US really isn't very capitalistic in its in its uh, motivations because in a truly capitalist society and um, the government wouldn't have wouldn't have as much power as it does yeah and um, so to, to kind of explain that a little bit further is i always thought it was very funny when everyone was going on about the russians rigging the u.s election yeah as someone rightly pointed out on the internet, on whatever forum I was on, name one election the US hasn't gotten involved in in Africa, yeah.
0: or one uh, democracy that they haven't tried to influence in some way, shape, or form. Same with the UK as well. It's like you can't look at India, or yeah, it is India, and say, or Ireland even, and say like, oh, UK didn't have any influence here, whatever to, to whatever degree you want to go about the Americans. Like, oh, the- blimey,
2: exactly. Yeah, they're. I think a lot of these countries that are are throwing around accusations. Are projecting are just as yeah. bad as, as themselves but the u.s talking about how it, it hates you know um, socialist ideas and, mm-hmm. and things like that um when a lot of these these massive companies like amazon like google hmm. are getting government grants the only reason boeing is as big as it is is because it gets trillions of dollars from the u.s department of defense boeing should have collapsed years ago from the quality of the planes that it's putting out well, that's, that's my own opinion. But um, the reason they're, for, like, for example, the F-35 program cost $1.6 It was a few hundred billion over budget in about 20 years. The F-35 is a plane, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yet they still get awarded most of the defense contracts. They're still a company because the U.S. is using taxpayer money to fund them. That's not capitalism. That's crony capitalism. That's the military-industrial complex. Exactly. Yeah. That's And that kind of extends to, to anything. I think any business... I think, don't get me wrong, I think small business grants, little kind of nudges hmm. to start off um, a business are fantastic. Yeah. I think they're great for the economy. But when you have governments giving these massive corporations so much money and supporting them, that's what leads to, to the system of, of monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why all these monopolies survive, or that's why they're being created, is because the U.S. government gives them, or a government gives them so much money, and they invest so much in them, It's the sunk cost fallacy. Hmm. They're too big to
0: fail.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
2: know, the 2008 financial crash with them, um, and the U.S. government decided to bail out all those banks. Oh, my God. Uh, For anyone who hasn't
0: seen it, sorry, watch...
2: What's that movie? The Big Short.
0: The Big Short, thank you. Such a good movie. If you're anyone who's curious about why the world works or how banks work or how economics works or why there was a crash in 2008, watch this movie. Not only for Margot Robbie in a bathtub or for Anthony (laughs) Bourdain chopping up some vegetables to explain why different funds are called different things (laughs) or Ryan Gosling's immaculate face. Ah, Cillian Gomez and... um, Richard Taylor yes. is one of the oddest combinations I've seen <laughs> in my entire life. Him explaining um, what's called uh, fast hand fallacy, which is basically where you bet on a sure thing that isn't a sure thing. For for like you can look that up further if you want to. But uh, heuristics it's are
2: an absolute god tier movie. It is so good. So, it so has good. influenced my political and economic beliefs more so than I thought because the first thing I thought after watching it was these these banks did what they did because they know so many so much of what they do the u.s government is invested in yeah so why would they let them fail there's the you know the uh, i remember a professor telling me the the theory of the revolving door with goldman sachs and um, ceos and mm. the u.s department of treasury that something like the last four heads of the u.s department of treasury have come from i think it was well no goldman sachs yeah and it's all... They're all interconnected. Yeah. And I just think to myself, as someone who, who would be very liberal when it comes to both society, i.e., you know, we love gay marriage, we love See, all this type of stuff.
0: That's where I'd question that whole far-right thing you said, because I'm someone who's, like, as liberal socially liberal as they come like i if you want to do something by all means i think you should have the right to do it that's, that's legalize entirely most drugs in my opinion a uh, common theme amongst myself as we discussed previously i think they should legalize marijuana because of the tax revenue i think they could generate from it would pay for a large chunk of the debt we're going to be in after the whole coronavirus jazz that's going on at the minute have you ever tried dmt <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going to go there but um <laughs> i also i'm also very fiscally conservative mm. because you need you can't just like with everything you give out that it's like a karma. Think of think of money as being karma. Like whatever you give out, it has to come from somewhere. There's some impact that it's going to make and there's some cycle that has to start again for it to generate more. That's why print more money doesn't make sense because you're just devaluing the currency, which means you lose purchasing power, which isn't good for any economy, which is why it's not a valid solution. So sorry, folks, it doesn't work.
2: Stop suggesting it. I'm sure they would have tried it by now.
0: Yeah, if it worked, we'd know by now. But yeah, I just, I, there is a way to reconcile the two. And I think anyone who says that you can't be like liberally liberally what am i saying liberal liberally liberally socially liberal and fiscally conservative like you, you need to do some more research on that because just because i'm in favor of gay marriage and all of the things that would connotate a libertarian viewpoint it doesn't mean that i can't also like save money and invest and be mindful with the way i spend and the way i think government should spend exactly
2: it i couldn't put it better myself even though i'm the 300 iq genius rick and morty watching incredible person that you see
0: before you it's just it's just high iq humor i mean i, mean, I don't think you'd understand it you'd have to have a grasp on
2: you know so you'd have to have at least phd level to listen to this
0: yeah podcast. i mean like you'd have to have at least patrolled Reddit at least for you know a solid six hours of your day <laughs> T- but <t-s> fedora. <laughs> I, I,
2: I completely agree with you because it's like for for example i, ha- I hate saying it but mm. Um, with the the what's going on with Corona now, um, we have a lot of businesses. I, but firstly, I I think a lot of what the government is doing to handle it is a bit too heavy handed. But when it comes to to looking out for businesses, um, I think a lot of people are going. Well, w- they should increase the amount of of uh, pup that round. They should increase the rates. They should give money to businesses. Mm. But no one wants to ask the question: Where is this money coming from? Yeah. Yes, you can borrow. You have to pay it back. Yeah. So what happens when the bank turns around and says, "Well, you're not generating enough revenue, so we can't give you this
0: loan out"? Mm. Where are we going to get the money then? Yeah, and we then we're just, just going to be indebted to the IMF for years, or the EU, or whatever the case is.
2: Exactly. And don't get me wrong; I think um, it's a necessary. Unfortunately, it's a necessary evil. To yeah, get through like this the pandemic. Bretton
0: Woods institutions; like you need them you yes. need the IMF you need these people to be able to bail out and to have somewhere where that money can come from now don't get me wrong these grants air quotes come with conditions that we have to pay back on but like like you said they're a necessary evil and i think again i'm not saying people should be shouldn't be entitled to a wage a living wage like i don't mean a living wage but a wage in which they can live off of when it comes to the pandemic unemployment payments mm. or whatever the case is i just think that more businesses should be allowed to open so that we don't need as much funding from you know the powers that be exactly you know like I, i'm yeah. all in favor of small small businesses i think they're definitely what make even a small community what makes a small community is a small business there's this one place in in Dalky that me and may go to get coffee all the time it's called pepper lane and if you're ever, if you're in the mood for an oat milk matcha latte by all means they are peak Peak drinks. You should get your like. By, by all means, go go Pepper Lane. Actually, sorry to interject. If we're shouting at coffee
2: places, mm. Bean Hive on Dawson Street. My God, best cup of coffee. Loveliest people who run it. Please just go. The guy,
0: the guy that runs this place, Pepper Lane, looks like Chris Martin. Like, he looks like Brilliant. the lead singer a Coldplay. It's unreal. <laughs> but. I, like, I love small businesses. And I just, I think that those are the people who you hurt the most when you take this away, when you're up to level five and you take that away from them, that they can't have a proper shop and they can't have opening hours or allow people in or allow people to share where they are, what they're doing. I mean, like, it's a big part of the A, marketing for them and B, the joy of running a business, I'm sure, is to make unique connections with your customers because that's, that's ultimately what it's about. And when you take that away, you're not only taking away the ability to earn an income for your family, but you're taking away... the the joys of interacting with people you know everyone's scared to go near each other and if someone coughs they're like they're alien you shouldn't go near them (laughs) you know it's 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 insane but i'd agree with you that we need to we need to keep a tighter hold on where this money is going and where it's coming from more importantly where it's coming from and who we have to pay back when it comes to it because at the end of the day it's going to be you and it's going to be me and it's going to be our kids that are paying
2: for it because one really really important thing that people need to anytime you look at a government budget anytime the government talks about finance you need to remember that's not government money. Mm. That's your money. Yeah. So when they when they give you a tax break, they're not giving you money. They're letting you keep more of your money. Mm. So don't turn around, well, I um, I shouldn't say don't, but I think people should reconsider when they go, "Oh, the government should do this. The government should do this." Because at the end of the day, it's not, you know, big businesses that are going to just have to pay for it. Yeah. It's not you know the one percent who are just going to have to pay for it more than likely it's going to be you and me more than likely it's going to be the majority of society we're going to have to endure increased tax rates and again don't get me wrong it's a necessary evil but that's never think that oh why doesn't the government just do this because someone has to pay for
0: it at the end of the day yeah there's no such thing as a free lunch when it comes to this kind of thing and that's why i have that that like in the intro of this it's like you know peterson saying it's like a Go fix an attack helicopter and see how far you get with that. It's like that's, that's not the way the world works, sunshine. Think again, but like it's true. I mean, like there's there's no such thing. Like if you think for a second that you could just one day walk into the Department of Shock and be like, uh, actually, I think we need uh, more money in um, certain industries. And um, personally, um, the George needs to open back up pronto. I think. Oh my god,
2: um, Leo Ratker here. I've made a magical appearance on this podcast. Um, now I, I I I completely agree, Ryan. But you, you know what I see mean. See you down when I say the that? George. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ryan been. advocates for the George. Let's get the George back open, people.
0: I would 100 I advocate for the opening of the George again, and any other nightclub that wish to do so. Um, you know, in in the given time when we're all like comfortable with going out and stuff again. Exactly. But um, yeah, I think that's uh, that tangent has been a very good <laughs> like segue as to why politics and learning about it, more importantly, in the right way, not to be like thrown down a, a dogmatic hole is important like you need you need to be open to discussion and open to different ideas and like i said more importantly the ones that you don't agree with because they're the ones that are going to teach you something that you probably didn't know and should probably pay attention to
2: exactly absolutely because i i suppose kind of the 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 crux of or that the most important thing that ever happened to me studying politics was two weeks into first year Mm. when i went to this political theory class i had this whole speech concocted in my head all these opinions yeah and then the tutor just goes well why and I remember just going Ben Shapiro didn't tell me what to do <laughs> Stephen Crowder didn't tell me what to do when someone asked why and it, it made me realize you know that's when I came to the realization majority of what I know is probably just crap yeah so the only way that I can for myself come to accept something or be swayed by something is to also learn about the opposite side yeah why why people think a certain way why do the people who don't agree with me think this way yeah and it's not to change hearts and minds not to influence people it's more so if you talk about this to someone or if if someone pulls you up on it you need to know why you don't agree with something yeah but as well it's just as important to say i didn't know that Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting perspective yeah um and I think actually that's a big thing in politics: is people are too afraid to either admit when they're wrong, or admit they don't know something. Mm-hmm. Because I was I was always big in this in college. Someone will be like, "I'm sure you're familiar with this," and I go, uh, y- y- "Yeah, of course I am," and I didn't have a clue because I was too afraid of seeming stupid. But the most interesting insights I've I've ever come across, the most interesting perspectives, have been when I've gone, "Actually, I don't." Um, do you mind just explaining it to me? Mm-hmm. Because it it lets you not only hear the other side, but it lets you form an opinion about it. And kind of hiding in in an ideological um, hole in the ground, it's great for you know the first year that you're in your political degree. But you'll find that in the big bad world, it's not a question of what ideology do you believe in, how many Ben Shapiro libtard owned videos you've watched. Too many. It's oh, there isn't enough in the world. <laughs> it's it's a question of people are going to say well why do you believe this and when Mm. you're put under scrutiny for it let's say you you get a job in in i don't know not even the doll let's say you get a job in a business yeah and someone goes well why do you think this should be done this way something as as simple in air quotations as that it then becomes a question of well why do i yeah and if you don't know why you why you believe something it makes talking about it, it makes discussing it it makes Making that idea better Mm. much harder because you're just so stuck to that one idea. You have to
0: be willing to be like insecure, and to an extent, you have to be willing to be not blindly ignorant, but you have to admit when you don't know. And I think that's a big ego thing. Like, like you said, I was probably very similar to you in that regard. When I went into to college, I wanted to I wanted to know everything, and I wanted to come off like I know everything. And to an extent, I probably still do that because you know I'm human and I falter occasionally. It's it's part it's part of being human, right? But I'll. I'll always try to admit when I don't know something or when I'll always be interested to learn about something. And I think that's that's a, a character trait that's in very short supply nowadays because people are always interested in giving you their opinion and they always want their opinion implemented even though like they might not know why they have, they formed that or think that way or they don't know the back end of it or what happens after. But like if you dive down that rabbit hole, and you kind of give them your perspective on it. As right as you might be, or as wrong as you might be, just the fact that some people won't listen to it, it just, I don't know, it just, it, it shows that we just need to like be willing to be wrong more. And I think that's something we're so afraid of nowadays, just because like we're watched so closely in terms of, you know, when we put ourselves on social media, everyone's oh their own God. PR agent, there can't be any nuance, it's black and white, it's right or wrong. And you just, you have to take a step back and admit that you might not know something or that just because someone thinks one way or thinks so much of a certain person or whatever the case is, doesn't mean that they their opinion is any less valid than yours. Well, unless you start bringing like race into it and whatever oh, the yeah. case is, yeah, then you can just be written off to the side and let's forget about you for a while.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, As someone who is on the right, there is no one who hates those people who claim to be, you know, alt-right more mm. than those of us who have to listen to their BS. Mm. My God. Actually, I, um, to be quite honest, just the idea of people, just the ref, the refusal of people to not so much listen because again, you don't. I agree with what you say, but I don't think people have to listen to you. They're just doing themselves out. Of, they're doing themselves an injustice. Yeah, and they're being intellectually dishonest by not exposing themselves to these views. To be honest, just how messy the world has become. Was one of the motivations why I kind of dove more into into watchmaking because, I, I used to love politics. I still do, but I find my passion for it is, is kind of it, it's burning low at the minute.
0: For which politics or watchmaking? For politics. Also, can I just interrupt and say what a fantastic way to make a segue into watchmaking? Oh, thank. I you. Blindsided me. I did not see that coming. Go on. I was plotting that for the past three weeks, Ryan.
2: Okay, sorry. You've been bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's um, it's it's a point that um it came up just because a lot of people who i talked to who did the the degree or got Mm. involved in politics have gone yeah no i decided not to pursue it or not to go down that road further because yeah it's so tiring yeah it's because when you when you come home from college and you're sat in a room you're after spending the day sat in a room with 15 other people who all have their own opinion who don't want to listen and you know absolutely not saying i'm not guilty of that myself. Sometimes you just want to sit in front of something like a watch, take it apart, because unlike in politics, watchmaking, there's absolute truths. That goes there. That won't work if you don't do that. Cool.
0: It's just simple. So what led you into watchmaking for a start? Or like what led you in down the... the road of intrigue when it came to like watches.
2: Oh my God, Ryan! I wasn't prepared. To oh my God, and I'm so questions. sorry to put you on the spot, but like I'm just curious. Like you know, what? off the top of my head, actually, to to be quite honest, it was my uncle. Yeah. Um. So my uncle is a jewellery valuer. Um. I remember being like twelve, mm. and I I was on a, a plane to Lanzarote on a family holiday. Oh, king, classic, oh, absolute, just Matagorda. I love you. I'm coming back for you as soon as this is over. The amount of
0: horseplay that has transpired
2: bleeding blue and white
0: but go on your uncle
2: um yeah he I, I bought this this watch on a plane i remember just being so fascinated by it and i sent mm. him lots of pictures and that's when he kind of introduced me to the rabbit hole that is watchmaking um when i was about 15 my dad heard that i was into this and i thought his first reaction would be oh my god mm. but that christmas i opened up a lot of my presents to find it was equipment it was oh, really? tools and I was so taken aback and I was so shocked. And the first thing I did was I went upstairs and spent pretty much that entire Christmas day taking apart a watch hmm. that I owned. Um, now, I completely destroyed it. Um,
0: yeah, I was going to ask you yeah, if that sounds about right.
2: Couldn't figure out how to put it back together. I was really sloppy with a screwdriver, but I just remember being really fascinated by hmm. how it all worked. And then I discovered the world of mechanical watches and I kind of just took off from there. Yeah. And recently, I was really lucky enough to have the opportunity to work at a jeweler's that employs like four or five watchmakers, um, and I remember people asking, "Going, oh, um, the only is the only reason you do it because you get to handle really expensive Swiss watches, you know, fourteen carat gold Rolexes, yeah, and yeah, diamond encrusted. It really isn't, yeah, because when you take them apart, it all just you know." It, the kind of the what's the word I'm looking for, you get desensitized to
0: it. It's like a surgeon. It's like once you cut one open, they're all the same.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like yeah, you like a surgeon. You could cut open. You know, to quote Shylock from The Merchant of Venice, we all bleed the same. Same old watches. Um, it's kind of once once you open the back on them, I mm. love the principles are the same.
0: It's kind of like you know they all look the same. Is that it?
2: a point, it's it's more so. It's it's the same principles apply.
0: So so this cog turns with this second hand, and this drives this, and then yeah, it, they all turn. But like I'm, I'd be the same as you. I'd be not to to the same extent as you, but I get really fascinated by like engines and mechanical things and mm. like stuff like that. And I always find it so like intriguing because like you again, I have an, a slight interest in watches, and I love when you can see like the inside of, of you know the different wheels at work, mm. and you just kind of like whoa, it's like all of this is moving either powered by a battery or the motion of my wrist keeping time. And I just find that so fascinating. It's like, these hands... And, like,
2: I get it. I, I really, really get it. It blew me away when I first discovered, like, this is a thing? Yeah. They're just mechanical. And I thought they were these really rare oddities. Mm. And then it was explained to me, no, every watch before the 1970s, 80s was run like this. And I just went, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think nowadays, most people kind of of our age our generation aren't really aware of that and it's a shame now i'm not saying everyone should flock out and and get involved in in horology but you know please do john
0: joe brennan uh the next john joe brennan you know the show. i want
2: to be a horologist
0: <laughs> it's oh, very hi, hi. interesting markings near near to Rolex, i think <laughs> it's know, an omega chap. get it roy
2: oh for god's sake that's a yeah uh, that's a fucking armani
0: Yup. Oh my god, I can't stand this. But like, it it is a good question to ask as to why people don't get into that. When like you know you can check the time in about two seconds by just looking at your phone. It's like why would anyone wear a watch?
2: It's to be that that's a that's a question I'm always asked. Mm. And to be honest, um, my answer to it is if you don't need a watch, don't wear one. Yeah, it's the same when people ask me what do you think of smartwatches. A lot of people in the the watch industry hate them, mm. but. I don't, because that's what someone needs. And a watch at its core is a utility. Mm -hmm. It just makes your life easier. Um, I wear a watch, A, because I I appreciate what's going on underneath it, and B, because I need to tell the time. Um, And honestly, sometimes I'm just too lazy to take out my phone. Mm. Um, But again, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people in the industry are worried is slowly killing the industry. Yeah. Because on, on kind of the topic of, of jobs, you know, why don't more people get involved in it? Like I, I'll be going off to the UK hopefully in the next few months. Yeah,
0: something that you told me about. Congratulations on that, by the way. Well, thank you. Well, no, just explain what it is real quick. It's a.
2: So I, have I've been accepted into a uh, into a watchmaking school over in the UK, the outrageous. British School of of watchmaking um, for a two year course and they teach you basically everything mm. um, how to fix watches regulate them how to make parts and it's something that i've i remember talking to you about in you know first second year of college yeah as a pipe dream <laughs> and turning around at the end of it going i, I remember you, you said something to me that really stuck with me which was why half-ass a dream why kind of you know, put it to one side and go. Oh, just just kind of dip your toe into it. Mm. You'll never know how deep. I think your exact quote was, "You'll never know how deep the water is until you stick your whole leg in." Yeah. And you know, I just decided one day, might as well try it. And I miss being so pseudo philosophical. Oh, it's, it's 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 all those lectures with with Toby T.
0: Oh, what a man, Tobias oh. King.
2: If if you're listening to this, and my God, I hope you're not because I'm so sorry for disgracing the name of political science. But we love you. <laughs> uh, I
0: love I love Tobias. He's a good guy
2: if i actually on a, sorry just com- on a completely different tangent um, if anyone does want to get into watchmaking there are so many jobs in the industry oh my god really um i know a few people who went to the british school of watchmaking um it's pretty expensive right. to go um not because it's seen as this you know super it is a pretty prestigious place to go but yeah. it's it's because this just all this equipment is so old um there's so few people doing it mm. and usually what happens is you don't pay those fees yourself if you write to a company any company and say can you sponsor me they'll go yeah absolutely we'll pay your fees pay your equipment costs and give you a job at the end of it that's how few people are in the industry Courageous. patek philippe the this isn't an opinion, it's just fact that the best watchmakers in the world.
0: Those are the ones that you walk by when you see Weir and Sons and then that glass case and they're just like there's only two of them on display and you're like, whoa. That's because they can only afford to have two of you're them in the shop, th- yeah. That's why they cost like fifty three grand.
2: They started something like um like brand new, something like fourteen thousand, but Christ and people are like, Oh my god, what goes into them? Trust me, it's worth the money.
0: See, the thing about valuing watches and stuff like that is the way the the analogy that's been that's resonated the most with me is probably the one of like elvis's guitar Mm. you know you probably know what i'm going to say about this it's like you have this instrument that like a simple yamaha guitar only costs you about like 160 quid granted but when someone like elvis or some iconic rock star has played it you know that there's a certain entity that they carry with them through their skill their knowledge and their talent that has been channeled through this like this instrument and you're getting a chance to touch it and hold it and like that's where it gets its value it's like art you know what i mean like that's why i think one of the reasons that modern art i think is so expensive as dull and unworthy of its price tag as it is like you know that the person hopefully who has painted it has some kind of wherewithal about art and you know the different methods of painting and brush strokes and everything else that goes into it like it's it's no michelangelo or whatever but like you know it's a few lines on a canvas absolutely yeah. but like you 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 understand why it has that price tag because the artist who you hope has some talent and experience and knowledge and it has studied art to a great degree has painted this thing which is why it has such a value is because it's not just random lines these lines to that person and to the i don't know the population of the world that enjoy that kind of thing have viewed it like they know that that's coming from like a wealth of experience which is the same with watches it's like yeah fair enough like a Toyota is made every like one every like 3 hours or whatever the case is whereas a Rolex is like one every 6 months like there's a difference between the engineering capabilities that go behind it the talent the experience the name obviously absolutely but there's like like you said there's a shortage of watchmakers and people who are interested in it and a shortage of people who know what exactly goes into a watch and what makes a really good watch and that's why they have such a high value
2: absolutely because what you'll, you'll see is at the minute, um, actually for the past decade or so, there's been this absolutely massive uptake of people buying watches from independent watchmakers. Mm-hmm. So you'll have someone who will do what I'm doing, who will study for two years, and then they will go off and say, just in their spare time, make their own watch. It could be a simple mechanical movement. All it does is tell the time. It can charge upwards of 30, 40, 50,000 Uh, dollars euros pounds for that because people will buy it yeah because that person what what people don't realize is the reason well i can say this for most brands cough cough not rolex (laughs) is the passion that goes in behind it yeah it's it really is worth the money because if if you look at say patek philippe to in their repair centers there's different levels of qualification depending on complexity so Level one, two, three, four, and five. Um I think people on like level five, don't quote me on this, are making six figures, like mid six figures. Jesus. Because it takes two to three years after watch school to get qualified to do a level one. And then you have to work in that industry, in that workshop, for as long as possible because you have to be able to know what you're doing. Yeah. Um I work with a guy um, who had the privilege, well, no, whether he'd say that or not is is up for debate, but he had the privilege of working for Patek Philippe. And he said, when you send a Patek Philippe in to get serviced, um, they are so precise with how accurate that watch has to be when it leaves yeah. that they hold on to this watch for something like two, three weeks. And if it's off by something known as, as Amplitude, um, if the amplitude is off by a degree out of 360 degrees, it fails and you have to bring it back. How and work does an amplitude
0: effect watch? Or what is it? Oh my God.
2: <laughs> so, amplitude is so on an automatic watch, you have what's known as a uh, balance wheel, right. powered by a hairspring. That's when you see those watches um, with kind of the little cutout and you see the spinny thing. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. All that right. regulates how fast the mainspring releases energy. Um, amplitude is how far. So that spring, it doesn't rotate in circles; it oscillates yeah. in kind of semicircles. Yeah, yeah. Amplitude is basically the measure of how far it will spin around mm-hmm. before it reaches. I should know that from physics, Marie retard. Yeah, sorry, God. Oh, for God's sake, you don't know the intricacies of watchmaking. Sorry, man. some yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, no, I... it's it's literally just how far it, how many degrees it will turn before I think it reaches its terminal curve and then has to come back. Yeah. Um, usually healthy watches will have it, uh, kind of new watches will have it in between kind of 280 to 330. Anything above that, a bit too high. Mm-hmm. Anything below that shows a pretty unhealthy movement. Patek Philippe, I think there's, is usually with, with with most watch houses, it's like variance of like 20, 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. Patek Philippe, it can be down to a degree. In different positions it's just the again it's it's such i think i think what's killing the industry and what kind of relates to this is the idea that it's become such a technocratic thing to study it's such a it's such an obscure thing that yeah when people see these watches they don't see what goes on behind the scenes because they're not given the opportunity to mm. these companies like to, to keep everything kind of secretive so while that adds to the exclusivity of it what ends up happening is people don't realize what is going on their wrists and that's why you know i i think rolex from a technical standpoint are an amazing brand they're a dream to work on and i've loved every rolex watch i've I've had the pleasure of, of repairing but in my opinion they're not worth the money because people see the name and they go Oh, yeah, it's a Rolex. It's the first thing everyone gets when they win the lotto. It's the first thing every rapper gets. Yeah. But they don't know what's going on inside of it. Mm -hmm. So that's why when people see the prices of a lot of watches, they go, that's really... Oh, my God. That's, that's, you know, Mm. egregiously expensive. But what you don't know is that, you know, 10 craftsmen who've spent the last three decades of their lives working day in, day out to perfect their craft... Have worked on that watch for six, seven months. The Patek, Patek Philippe have a school just for polishing their watch cases. Christ! It takes eighteen months to graduate from. Eighteen months for the
0: watch cases, just, like the just case for the polishing. Just for polishing.
2: Yeah, that's it. Just, just for, just for polishing.
0: <sighs> oh my god! But it's it's
2: the idea that you're you're getting. It's it's the same reason why handmade shoes cost so much yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah because it's
0: it's a labor intensive like and you have to know what you're doing and like like with the whole like guitar thing the more talented someone is and the more skilled someone is and the more of that that they put into their creation the more you're going to pay for it like it makes sense
2: because they leave i i i tend to romanticize watchmaking a lot but i think for any sort of not career but any sort of trade where you're you're working with your hands where you're Mm. making something it leaves a part of yourself in what you're doing so in kind of our materialistic culture where quartz battery watches are churned out by the thousands every day, mm-hmm. you can pick one up in pennies for a fiver. There's no soul behind that. Yeah. But when you sit down, like the watch on my wrist um, at the minute was made in Russia by hand. It cost something like 50 euro, which is incredible. Yeah. It's automatic. That was made by someone. Someone sat down and made all those parts and every single movement is unique Mm. they all have their little quirks they all have their little um tiny things that have to have to be adjusted that others won't have because that's i feel that's a part of whoever's worked on it it's kind of their mark it's it's they leave a part in themselves yeah it's like
0: they're writing a letter to you
2: exactly and it's for me again i always romanticize this idea is
0: 100 i i I would romanticize anything that you have a passion for
2: i think it's the right way to be that's something that that always kills me. Is when I is when I see people who don't have a passion for things, because when I see, like a couple of weeks ago, I had a um, an Eltham pocket watch. Sorry, a Waltham pocket watch. Um, it was stamped something like nineteen twelve. Christ, on it survived but, the Titanic. I read it. It was on the Titanic. It caused <laughs> it. Um, this this pocket watch was probably owned by five or six people. Mm. When I uncased that, it literally just needed a little bit of oil. I could see the the kind of the the tiny scratch marks of a screwdriver from another watchmaker. I could see the oiling and the parts where it was done right and done wrong by the last watchmaker. I could see where faults have happened and, you know, new parts have had to have been made. And the idea of the journey this thing has been on to end up on my bench in front of me it's such a beautiful idea that I get to put my little mark on it and I get to to give that pocket watch its little push to continue on in history. And I love that idea that, you know, these watchmakers, independent watchmakers, what I love about them is when they make something, mm. it's such a beautiful idea to me that they're leaving something behind that, you know, when I go in, you know, however many years I could have left something behind that. You know, in a hundred years, some other poor sod who's decided to get involved in watchmaking (laughs) opens up and goes, Oh wow. And that just it's to me it's it's really beautiful because the person who made that pocket watch is long gone. Yeah. Um but yet that's still here. It's still ticking away, it's still working it's still doing its best. Yeah. And, you know, the privilege I just find myself very privileged to get to work on things like that.
0: That's that's really nice man no but I get what you're saying as well and that's beautifully put man. I, 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 I mean you. but no I get it because obviously my thing isn't watches per se like I get that when I look at like a camera or something like I have a, an old like these are really common like the classic camera you see anywhere it's like a brownie whatever from Kodak mm. it was like one of the first mass produced cameras and not only do you think about like what film was put into it who put the film in what but I just think about what it's seen Yeah. like there's a lens and a camera and like when it opens when the shutter opens up it's like what, what, what moment in time did that capture do you know what I mean? so it's like the same thing with watches like when you open up the back of it you see the other end of it and you see that someone's worked on it before you and you see that there's a history to it that you're not exactly privy to whether you get to be a part of yeah and it, it lets your imagination kind of run wild about like you know who touched it or where they were skilled or where they grew up or you know what imprint they made on it and you see it and you're like i'm, I'm a part of this it's like yeah. i get this so that's what i get like if i back in the day before all this covid happened um, I used to love going to markets and stuff. And I'd pick up like the randomest old thing I could see just because oh. I thought it looked interesting. Yeah, And I'm sure you're probably the same. I feel like anyone who finds a value in these kind of things, like whether it be mechanical or like watches or a history in anything, like you get you get really into this idea of that, like the life that this thing had before it came to you.
2: Absolutely. It's, it's to even kind of put a more modern twist on it is, you know, the Nissan Skyline. Um,
0: As in the car? Yeah. Right. Okay.
2: I think it was the the Skyliner. No, sorry, the GTR. Um, I think it's every single engine block mm-hmm. is handmade, so they're all different. Or it's either the engine block or the gearbox. Right, they're all handmade and they're all different. So not so much like in massive technical aspects, mm-hmm. but they're all very quirky in their own way. Yeah. And when you're down working on a watch, it's very much the same idea, yeah. because you you crack open the case back and. After a considerable amount of swearing and cursing, you, you tend to personify what you're working on because yeah. you go you see this little thing, it's ticking away, and you're going, Oh, for God's sake, I've done you know, I've oiled this part. Why isn't this working? But you could get a hundred of those watches, you know, the exact same make, the exact same movement. Every single one will be different. Yeah. Everyone. And that's what I love about it. Mm. Because even if you're given the same watch to work on every day, mm that it's the it's the little quirks and it's brought to life again by everyone's own unique touch on it. And it's oh, it's I I suppose there's a lot of people going, Jesus Christ, what I'm sorry, is I'm just, it going on in this <laughs> me. It's uh I just it'd be the, the same idea. I remember um a friend of mine who she's a writer. Um most talented um writer I've ever had the privilege of having in my life and she said what attracts her to the idea of writing is literally from the stroke of a pen or a key press she can create whole worlds whole lives can be lived in and she said it's it's almost like I'm an observer onto I'm along for this journey mm. but at the same time I'm leaving my own little mark
0: it's like she is a channel by which these ideas and stories come through and she just lets it happen and watches it
2: exactly and even so much, um, I'd even say with um, with your page on Instagram. The <laughs> Examine Stoic. The Examine Stoic. Yeah. Shout out to the examine Stoic. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I love about it is, um, it's the same with people's fitness pages. Everyone's like, oh, there's so many of them on Instagram. Every single one of them is different. Mm. And they all put their own unique little mark on things. And people, you know, whether they they think they are or not, pick up on that. Mm. and they're attracted to that it's like with you know youtubers you have a hundred i think what's it the majority of content on youtube is about gameplay probably about you know watching some guy shoot another guy it's all the same content
0: but it's everyone's own unique mark on it yeah it's like when you hear someone talk it's like generally people tend to talk about the same things or the same topics to any great degree. Like if you listen close enough or listen to enough content, it generally devolves into the same thing over and over again. But it's the personality that you're there for.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And it's it might seem strange, but the same way that those GTRs have a unique gearbox where the drivers and the mechanics, say they all have their own personalities. Yeah. The Formula One cars, you always hear, you'll always you often hear the drivers say, oh, um, they have their own quirks. Yeah. It's the same thing with watches. They all have their own little quirk or quirks and their own little stories. Yeah. Their own little marks. And to to be allowed to be a part of that and to watch that thing that, you know, I didn't make, but I can, it's almost like, um, you ever read The Famous Five? No. You missed out, boy. <laughs> Sorry, man. <Enid laughs> um, I Yeah,
0: I know. I, I know the books. I just, I just haven't read it. Oh. Yeah, I would say read them, but my god, probably not nowadays. I have so many books upstairs that I have to get through. I'm working my way through this big JFK book at the minute. It's like 500 pages long. It's like all the speeches, and then oh. political commentators give like a you know like a um, a foreword and an afterward on the significance of the speech and all that kind of thing. oh yeah, yeah. Can I borrow that after?
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: sure, please, because I have no books that are so to do watchmaking so at the minute. So not
0: to do watchmaking, but I have so many books I have to get through. <sighs> thank God, thank but, you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> But yeah, um, I interrupted you during a train of thought. Do you know what it was? Enid Blyton, Famous oh, you know, Five.
2: Yeah. So a big something that everyone always used to take the Mickey out of those books for was you'd see, you know, this ragtag bunch of kids. They'd show up at this person's house, and it would be, "Oh, you seem like a bunch of lovely young kids. Yeah. Here's a hundred eggs and seven thousand euro and a car, and here's a gum. Travel on your journey." Um, yes. they they just magically. They're like, hmm, you look like nice people. Here's everything I own. <laughs> okay. Just coincidentally. Uh, I swear this tangent has a point. Um, it's that idea that I get to be that random family that these people so happen to, to wander into. I'm that little push that that thing needs to continue on its journey. Um, same way I'd, I'd even relate uh, your page to, to my own life is sometimes... You know, whether direct or indirect, it's that little push. That you yeah. need. it's that little influence, and again, everything has its own story.
0: That's pretty cute. It's like a little piece of energy that I put into writing those posts, give that someone else that energy to do what they do. I guess.
2: Yeah, you, everyone leaves their little mark, and, and something that you're passionate about, you always leave a little bit of yourself in, and that's how I think you can judge to a point the quality of something.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think, like you said, I, I think people would have an. Uh, an easier time of understanding the passion that you have for watchmaking when you realize that people give personalities to the things in their like the objects in their life that mean something to them. So like a lot of people give their cars a name or their computers a name or the you know their coffee pots a name, whatever the case is. It's like you understand when someone has a relationship with something or a passion that they ascribe a personality to it because they interact with it they interact with it the same way they would like a person. It's like you treat it with the same amount of respect to an extent and you can have that kind of like relationship with it where you like you look after it and, and you know you tend to the part of the garden that you can touch with it if that makes sense absolutely ooh that's <laughs> nice <laughs> so Marcus is there anything else that you and I you want to touch on
2: um i i actually I just wanted to i probably know there's not a lot of time left but like th-
0: we're not, we're not, don't worry man oof. we got lot of time in the world
2: oh my god don't ever say that to me <laughs> um one thing i do really want to to kind of touch on was inspired from a previous podcast that you did with Maeve. Um, Interesting. I was really, you know, touched to hear her story and her experience about university, um, because I I went through similar, and it's really nice to hear that. I know it might seem a bit ridiculous, but I wasn't alone. Yeah. And you know, I sent I sent it on to now whether they listen to it or or not is is a different question. But I sent it on to a good few people who oh, I appreciate been that. In a, absolutely like it's great podcast not just because <laughs> i'm on it and um, it was it was so nice to to hear that side of it um because i think for a lot of people university is it's a big change yeah from secondary school and i personally didn't adjust well at all mm. because i i went to a school where it was a and probably with yourself as well with all boys schools you tend to form a bit of a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by first and second year, I had my group of friends. By fifth and sixth year, I'd like to think I could walk into any room and have a conversation with anyone in a year. Yeah. To go from that to these massive rooms of mm. 300 people where no one wants to talk to you, um, and not just because you haven't shared in four days, <laughs> um, where it's so impersonal. Yeah. Um, when I got to first year, um, by Christmas time, I was feeling pretty burnt out um, because I spent all of first year, and I really regret doing this, just studying nonstop. Then the second semester came around and I remember getting like two weeks in and going, no, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Not because the workload was intensive or I was under stress, but it was almost like I'd built myself up to this incredible climax that was the leaving cert. Yeah. But the payoff was not worth it at least in my head wasn't worth the amount of effort that I put in I spent hours studying for that leaving Cert, yeah. and I'd like to say you know I, I did uh very well in it but when I got to college it was almost as if you know is, is, is this it yeah all that time spent and you know un- unlike what Maeve did where she said you know she she realized you know I find this interesting but I just don't think it's for me yeah for a long time i was way too scared to admit that Mm -hmm. um yes i have a fascination with politics i'm very interested in politics and i do enjoy my course but more so i realized this way of learning isn't for me it was almost as if i put every part of myself into that leaving cert and i came out the other end and i was just perpetually burnt out i was and i still am sick of studying of reading of doing all these things and you know at the end of it you get a grade. Yeah. It's just not to me it's it's not a good payoff. Yeah. Um but I see I have friends who who they went into into trades mm. um and became, you know, mechanics, who became uh, who did all sorts of plumbers. Um am sorry, not to make everything about watchmaking, but that's another reason why I love it, because you can see yourself improve. Whereas in college I always felt like I couldn't it was, I never felt like I learned more. I always just felt that the river I was drowning in got a little bit shallower or I was able to keep my head up just a little bit longer. Yeah. But the end was always still the same. And I ended up having to take a year off last year because of it. Um, because everything just got too much because I was too afraid to, you know, admit that this college just isn't for me and did a lot of damage to to my mental health um and i was i ended up having to having to take a year off for it and i just um i don't almost seem like i love the sound of my own voice but i i really just want people who could be listening who might be in a similar situation not to leave it to the last minute obviously never give up at the first hurdle you know i didn't thankfully and you know what I what really inspired me from from Maeve's story is she didn't just go, oh, this chemistry exam was hard, time to drop out. Mm-hmm. She stuck it out as long as she could and then went, no, this, this, it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's what I didn't do. I forced myself to do something that I r- really wasn't going to do. And it's only now that you know, I'm 21 years old, I'm only doing what I've always wanted to do, which is watchmaking. Um so yeah I'll, I'll get out of that uni- I'll get out of <laughs> that school when I'm 23 which is still very young but it feels like I could have just gotten this all out of the way and I I just want people who again could be going through something similar don't give up at the first hurdle but university isn't the end all and be all and it's scary in today's society to admit that Mm. because there's such a stigma and emphasis on you have to go to college you have to get a degree if you don't you're a failure yeah and i used to i was very so so arrogant in fifth and sixth year looking at all these people going into trades doing engineering you know as as a trade and i i looked at them with such arrogance and i was going you were just too stupid to get into college into into university and then someone came to do our heating. Oh my God. <laughs> Had that... He completely reworked our heating system in like a day or two. And I was blown away by that. And Now, I won't disclose how much that cost, but my God. And then I realized, you know, he's not charging for parts. He's charging for experience. And you could tell he loved every second of what he was doing. It He wasn't working. So... You know, to 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 summate this massive rant. Um, I just, I, I think people, especially in today's society, when there's such an emphasis on you have to go to college, you don't. That's not an excuse to sit at home and do nothing. Find what you're passionate about. But it's okay to admit that maybe this way of learning or this course isn't for you. I didn't do that. And it's landed me in a place not where i i get, had to give up a dream but i've had to postpone it considerably more so than i needed to put my mental health in in quite bad jeopardy as well just because i didn't turn around and say maybe this isn't for me
0: mm-hmm. no and i mean like a lot of people came to me actually after um listened to the mave episode after i like ran it down their throats and said you do listen to this First thing, she had a soothing voice, which was nice to hear, because uh, I agree, obviously. But second thing, that, that stuck out to a lot of people as well, in terms of her taking a year off and actually going back. And like to anyone who has the courage to do that, like I say to her, and like I'll say to you, it's like, give yourself credit for being able to stick through it. Like It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to take what you're doing and take this thing that you've invested like <laughs> a large amount of money in, and then just kind of segue and say, actually, not at the minute. like not only are we tied down by the financial aspect but also the fact that it's it, it almost becomes like a part of your identity and it's also like everyone around you is going to like you're gonna have to tell people that you decided to defer and the you know social consequences be they real or imagined, that you feel from that are going to weigh on you heavily and like you said with your mental health it became something that that impacted you negatively and it's having the courage to do it and get through it that is is the other side and it's what makes people stronger and it's like you can have it's like you don't get to choose not to bear a cross but you choose which cross you can bear and i think that's exactly what you're doing in terms of c- continuing to do college which in in my eyes is a unbelievably brave thing and also going after this passion that you want which is again another feat that i don't think many people would opt for if they had the chance so you you have my full support in whatever you do oh
2: ryan how to make a girl blush <laughs> it was it was um i know i said it to you probably a thousand times but it was one of those converse many conversations that i've had with you back towards the end of secondary college where it really i just i came away from realizing it's okay for this not to be what i want to do yeah and i just remember walking away you know feeling very absolutely terrified Mm -hmm. of having to go into my final year not wanting to, yeah, but being so hopeful over the fact that I was going. Well, what's the you know? It's it's okay, not to do this after college. It's 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 okay to admit that this wasn't for you. And it it if I'd say if it, if it wasn't for chatting to yourself, it would have been. I probably still wouldn't have admitted it to myself. I still wouldn't have reached that insight that I needed to. So that's why I always say. Um, whenever stuff like getting into the, the watchmaking school happens,
0: a large part of it is down to yourself. No, man, that's all you, you, have to, you have to deal with all those like consequences of people saying things and your own, in, like you're the one that's in your own head. So essentially it's, it's you that has to deal with it all. So I won't, I won't take any credit for that. That's on you.
2: I am. Like, I know I'm very amazing as, as a human. <laughs> honestly, some have described as an Adonis. Um, Mate, 100%, I agree. Oh. Ooh. But it's, it's, you know, credit where credit's due um it like it's it especially um because i was going through a very rough patch at that time and the fact that you know it the fact that you were able to, to sit down and be like Ugh really this again it was it was completely just right so here you have a problem how do you solve that here's what you could do and it was just, it wasn't so much you you went, hey, Marcus, go do this yeah. for the rest of your life. It was, why are you thinking like this when there are so many better ways to think about it? What's the point?
0: Well, like, it's easy to help someone when you're not in their shoes as such because, like, I can't feel what you feel, so I have that kind of more objectivity to look at something and be like, okay, well, if I was you, and if I could see an optimal outcome for the situation, this is what I would direct you to do.
2: It's, it's the whole thing of perspective. Yeah. Because, um... Now I've I've said a couple of times, um, or touched on a couple of times, mental health. Now I won't go into depth, but um, with perspectives, when you deal with uh, again, not to not to be oh woe is me oh the victim, mm. um, but when you have mental health issues on your plate, it's very very important and it's n- almost invaluable to have that different perspective because it's almost like the the best example that was ever explained to me was it's like looking through a keyhole is you only see what's through that keyhole but sometimes you just need someone to open the door for you so you can see the whole picture and when i was in that headspace and i was just obsessing over something constantly i was just going oh my god there's i have to do this i have to force myself to do this there's no there is no out to this other than just sucking it up and Doing a job that I'm going to hate for the rest of my life. And it just took someone going, but you don't. Mm. And it just took that little, actually, no, not little, because it was quite a big thing to, to say. It just took that that nudge or the s- smack in the face <laughs> to be like, actually, this isn't, you know, com- this is. And then I, I, I remember you, you telling me about the page that you'd set up and i was like wow i was blown away by it and then just took off oh Uh, yeah there's someone who's passionate about something who's actually following through with it why can't you do that so it's yeah it's it's a it's perspectives sometimes you just need someone to be like yo
0: what are you doing that for (laughs) no that's powerful man i'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to listen to that hopefully and take something from it but no i appreciate that man and uh I suppose one one parting question that I'll ask uh, with your political insight, with your own personal views and with everything else that's going on at the minute, level five, coronavirus, the government, etc. You have a magic wand. What do you do to fix it? What do, what, what do you change? Um,
2: well, with the, there's a part of me screaming uh, get rid of the all government um, and you know recreational nukes to people, the libertarian, but we can't sadly. Um, I'd say to be honest, I think level five was the right decision implemented the wrong way um because again I, i'm pretty ignorant on it i at the minute i've just gotten so sick of the whole situation i haven't really kept up to date but that's fair from you know my sister is a teacher mm-hmm. um she was saying you know it's a hotbed of infections are schools and then they said oh no it's not but that's not what the data is saying
0: yeah. I agree 100%. I don't get... And I think I've said it before. Why is it that the small businesses have to close? Why is it that gyms have to close and etc. cetera, et cetera, But the schools can stay open when you have this group of up to 700 kids at any one time in this one building that are known to be carriers, but not to experience any severe symptoms. And they're allowed to run around the place and interact with teachers and families and parents and grandparents.
2: Absolutely. And the one place pre-second lockdown, the, the few places that I felt actually did a great job were those small businesses yeah. because they knew they were under a microscope yeah Um, just from my own experience any sort of small cafe i went to any restaurant they took those precautions so seriously and they had such an efficient system now i i'm often up in 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 mm-hmm. that's where my lovely girlfriend lives oh wow and shout out to louise shout out to uh louise and um, please don't kill me uh for for mentioning your name on this um but i we often look out the window and what do we see in the Triangle and Ranala? Gangs of of kids aged between 10 to 15 running around after after school. Absolutely no social distancing. Not to sound like a 70-year-old, but the one group. So, the, sorry to stumble over my own words here. Kind of the infection rate shifted, my own understanding, shifted down the age gap. Yeah. Sorry, the age groupings to kind of our age groups Mm, mm. 18 and below and what's it something like 16 to 36 year olds why are we just why are parents letting their kids run free why are schools still open when it's the young people not following this advice Mm. why are they why are small businesses gyms being punished just because some people won't follow the regulations, and it's—I think—the government's just being a, a quite stubborn about how they're dealing with the HSE and Nephis and Tony Houlihan
0: and vice versa. Do you see that the WHO? I think a couple of weeks ago came out against lockdowns for for countries.
2: Yeah, which is quite strange because I thought didn't the lockdown completely
0: eradicate community transmission in Ireland? I don't know if it eradicated community transmission, but. I, like I don't think it makes sense on on the grand scheme of things. And I looked at I was in I was in work the other day, and I was, um, going from the car park because we have to go from the car park to the entrance of the first floor to get, um, our temperature checked, and then we can. Go downstairs to go to our lockers to get our computers and come back up. But I looked at this big poster that was like, um, you know, the symptoms of coronavirus. Government HSE, blah, blah and it's like uh, the government is acting under the regulations of the HSE and the WHO. And I was like, if you were acting under the regulation of the WHO, you wouldn't have a lockdown in place as severe as you do now. But to your point about small businesses, the, I was in, I was in Flyfit. Shout out to Flyfit because they did it absolutely correctly. Mm. They had social distancing going on before you went into the gym. Uh, you got, you, you had to sanitize your hands you had to also book your time slot and there was temperature checks you had to you know the machines that like you know you lift they it scans your forehead and mm. it yeah so they had those there as well and like it was done so well and everything had to be wiped down before and after use and you know everything was to the T they did nothing wrong and from what i can see it, like those are the places and i've seen there was a report a report that was um submitted to government I think, like a week before or a couple of days before this lockdown was implemented that compiled the data from the u k because it was not in Ireland, saying that the transmission rates in gyms were as low as zero point now don't go me on this you can look it up zero point zero zero three percent, and it's like the people who go to gyms generally are healthy anyway so or are trying to be, so they're probably going to be less likely to have. Or to experience any great or prolonged symptoms i'm not saying that they can still spread it and that it 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 does seem like a place where it would spread quite easily but the people who go there are generally very healthy and could probably fight it off a lot quicker than say like you know people who are unfit or don't look after their bodies in any way shape or form so i don't see why these places that are you know promoting the health of people and you know are places where people go to to improve their mental health and their physical health and which by virtue of that their immune systems. Like, I don't see why those places have to be shut down, but I get that there is like you know a high prob- probability of contagion in, in in those places where where you would see you would think so anyway.
2: But conversely, on that, we're told for contact tracing, um, you know the the COVID tracker app, that don't have it. Oh, gasp! Tony's coming to yeah, to hunt you down. Um, like on that app, it says prolonged exposure is 15 minutes or more within, what's it, a meter or two of an individual who is infected or is suspected to be infected. Why do shops where, on retail outlets, where you're literally in there for like 30 seconds to grab something, Mm -hmm. why do they have to close? Why are businesses like bookshops being forced, or just hardware shops being forced to, you know, sell ridiculous items just to qualify as essential services just so they can get some business yeah and as well why are people then turning around to um these corporations and going you you need to pay us money you know we're out of work because of you it's not because of them they've done everything right you know Mm. in in, i work up in Clarks, and we had a whole system of we had someone um at the door usually myself (laughs) um making sure there was only 10-15 people in the shop at any one time making sure everyone was wearing a mask all the kids fitting areas were sterilized after every use there was only a certain amount of people allowed in, in that department all the shoes that were brought back after someone tried them on were sterilized mm. and we had to wear masks and gloves and visors at one point all three for the entire day and yet we have to close but somewhere like a school that is just, you know, so many people in close contact. And as well, sorry to go on, but I often on, you know, my my, uh, my journeys will travel past a school and see kids out playing PE or, you know, at, at break time. And so they, there's just n- no social distancing going on. What's the first thing I see most of those kids doing as soon as they get outside the school? The masks come off. And they start talking to their friends. So what's the point?
0: I would be very much uh, of the same viewpoint of what's the point. But Marcus, uh, again, we'll we'll uh, let we'll leave that covered. That could go on for hours, that COVID yeah. conversation. <laughs> uh, two two final things. First thing, who wins tonight slash tomorrow?
2: Ooh, ooh. Um, hmm. Ooh, I'm going to say Trump. Really? I'm going to say Trump because um well at least the electoral college mm-hmm. um i think the only reason biden is running for election is very clearly because neurologically there's something going on there <laughs> yeah and what's gonna happen is in a couple of months he's gonna go oh no i'm unfit for presidential <laughs> duty oh
0: no i have alzheimer's <laughs>
2: i i can't remember my own name sometimes <laughs> but then <laughs> what is running by like camilla harris Camilla. Yeah. she's just gonna take over and that's how you get i her. think that's
0: what people are banking on anyway for her taking over um, she said she's going to legalise uh, marijuana, so um, you can tell who I'm voting for. But, and the last one is, where can people find you and what should they do about it?
2: Oh, so, um, usually I'm outside of most primary schools between the... No, and Um <laughs> So if you're... You a, did
0: go to Turner, so, I mean, it's in the water.
2: It's actually pronounced Turner, so get your facts right. Um, if you're in any way interested at all in watchmaking. I have a watchmaking page called Horological Method. Um, literally, i it's just me posting pictures of different projects I'm working on, answering your questions, things like that. Um, I don't have a private Instagram, so my apologies for that. Um, but, you know, if again, if you're in any way interested in, in watchmaking, please follow. I will... I'm usually really active on that, so if you have any questions,
0: pop them to me love to see it Marcus thank you for coming on I really really appreciate it thank you
2: so much for having me it was an absolute pleasure
0: anytime man we'll do it again and uh, if you enjoyed this podcast or the contents therein please do feel free to subscribe on where am I iTunes so Apple Podcasts Spotify uh, it's on YouTube as well and where else Google Podcasts has it now I think yeah I'm pretty sure it's there but yeah uh, uh, thank you for listening and uh, Marcus it was uh, it was fun it was a pleasure Ooh, did you enjoy absolutely I enjoyed that.